I'm Alejandra Melian. And I'm Megan McGill. Welcome to Talking Culture. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional territory of the Ganyan Cahaga on the land known as Chiochage. We recognize the Ganyan Cahaga as the rightful stewards of this land. Hi, Megan. Hey. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Things are all right. We're, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy week. It has been a crazy week. This is a um, wild week to be doing an in the news segment. Agreed. It's, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, I, I'm sorry, I'm feeling like kind of anxious about this episode because it's been such a crazy week. And yeah, I, I knew that probably we were going to pull the same the same story because kind of one thing has been dominating the news all week yeah I'm I'm excited to talk to you about it because I think that'll be helpful but I'm also yeah a little nervous to talk about it yeah and I mean normally I know that we try to bring it uh, to bring in different stories and to bring in different things to talk about um to try to you know be as diverse in our conversations as possible but I don't know. I think every once in a while it's okay for us to focus on one news story. Um, we did just we did decide to do this segment as part of talking culture because we want to make sure that we're staying engaged in what's happening in the world, right? So, you know, if this is what we're both thinking about right now, then great. <laughs> then that's what we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of kept telling myself as I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and trying to find something else, um, that that was why we did this in the first place, right? If there was something big, we didn't want to miss talking about that. So it happened. There's something big. There is something big. Maybe we should say what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, so. we're dancing around this a lot. but We are dancing around it in case somebody listening doesn't know. Um, last week actually exactly a week ago today right yeah yeah on Wednesday yeah on Wednesday um as we're recording on Wednesday the 13th um a large group of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building in Washington DC um in order to stop the confirmation of Biden's election uh, that was happening do you want to give any other context of like you know what what happened besides that basic summary uh, I mean, I think that that covers it. I know we'll kind of get into it more as we as we chat about it. I don't know, for me, being a Canadian watching this from across the border, you know, I was happily doing my work. And then a friend was like, you got to watch the news. Like, I don't know, it kind of took me back four years when I was feeling so anxious about Trump and his presidency. And it's just been kind of a stressful week ever since, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it did feel very surreal. I was, I had been with my family um, in the States at the time, and I was trying to get back to Canada. And I was like packing on that day and like getting ready to go and kind of like trying to watch what was happening and 
try to get my suitcase to the proper weight, like, <laughs> like very, at the same time. Um, and so it was super surreal to, like, be in the middle of, like, the stress of traveling during COVID and being anxious about that. And then also, like, this happening. And for me, it was just such a great, like this is the world right now. I'm stressed about COVID and the, and everything else is going to pieces. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you came with something in particular about this that you wanted to, to talk about, but I think just like overall, it was, it was such a, you're right, a surreal day. I think that's the, like the best word to describe it. It wasn't, unexpected I suppose but it also was still shocking and upsetting totally that's a really interesting point like I wasn't really that surprised that it happened but like there is I guess a difference between shock and like not being able to believe that this was actually happening and not and like totally believing it (laughs) you know so like that's that's a weird dissonance there yeah like it didn't feel like out of the realm of possibility given you know how things have been going (laughs) but it also felt like how like I know how we got to this point you could watch it coming but also like how is this where we're at you know yeah it just was it was so extreme so people died um the riders brought weapons lots of weapons like even bombs like bombs were found in yeah Homemade bombs were found in a, in a truck. Um, they, people brought zip ties in order to take prisoners. Like, they were ready to truly hurt people. Yeah, I guess um, we could just kind of talk about how awful it is for, for this whole segment. But <laughs> <laughs> in particular, um, I had thought that this was a good opportunity to talk a little bit about a literal boundary that I saw. Um, when watching the footage of this and that's the the boundary um, that's the, the that was the barrier keeping people out of the capital um, which the police literally opened for the rioters um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know like I'm not saying anything particularly groundbreaking here and like that's kind of like a little bit almost too perfect of like a boundary to talk about in our boundary season um, but I think that it's a really good symbol of the purpose that the police are serving right now um, in the states, in particular in this example, but I'm not going to like only limit it, limit that to the states. And since we're anthropologists and we like to dig into symbolic moments like this one, um, I'm wondering if there's any other meaning that you can pull out of this breaking of the, the protective boundary by the police. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I feel like I'm having so much trouble talking about this in general in any kind of like coherent way so I hope you all can forgive me today I feel like thoughts are kind of all over the place when it comes to this topic um, because there's so much going on around it misinformation but also just new things all the time so I'm sorry that I'm a little slow on the uptake today but as for kind of the breaking of that that physical boundary. Um, um, I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't expect this to be so affecting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's scary. It is like literally everything that we think we can count on, like 
crumbling, you know, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's one of the like scarier things I think that, uh, that I've like had to live thro- through so closely, you know, which is a huge privilege on my part. And I, I totally recognize that it was just so, so shocking. Um, anyways, <sighs> Can you ask your question again? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. So because it might be like a little bit too perfect of an example of boundary, but I want to talk about the police um, opening up the barrier to allow riders in to the Capitol um, and to think about that a little bit symbolically and to think about like what that breaking of that boundary means on a larger level. Yeah, I guess like... It was a hard thing to see because you kind of expect that, like, the police are that kind I mean, I guess this is a very white privilege thing to say, but, like, you expect that they'll kind of uphold that and, and protect that, that that's why they're there. And then to see just so blatantly there that that they were kind of, I don't know, to me that felt like a symbol that they are they were on the side of the the people that were there, you know, they let them in. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think for me, it just shows like who these boundaries are for, you know, and who they're not for. Like, I'm trying to avoid making too many comparisons to the Black Lives Matter protests because I know that like, people of color don't need to be reminded that they're that like they would have been treated very differently you know what I mean and like I don't know I like they they know that already and like we're not saying anything new to point that out but like those barriers are there to keep certain people out and while that's not like necessarily surprising I did think that violence still held more weight than identity you know like I thought I I really did think that the the actions that the people were doing like and how violent they were would maybe outweigh the fact that they meant most of them were white and had an immense amount of white privilege and power right yeah but it didn't and that's that's wild to me that part did surprise me I'm not surprised by white privilege I'm not surprised by white supremacy in the United States but I am surprised that the violence didn't outweigh their white privilege yeah and like that's you think that that's literally what those police are there to do you know like a violent mob you know yeah at the capitol at the gates like that's their job is to not let them in and I think I think you're right I think for me that is also what was surprising it's like it wasn't that they were just you know angry and yelling they were they were saying very violent things they were carrying weapons um they were wearing symbols you know of of violence and of white supremacy on their bodies you know like mm-hmm. there was no part of that group of people that wasn't kind of like just exuding that energy yeah yeah and they just opened the gates <laughs> yeah yeah i guess like we've been told this over and over and over again but it's just a really good example of like how much power whiteness holds 
you know, like mm-hmm. an insane amount of scary, dangerous power. And that is, and that, and this, this goes to show that that power is dangerous for everybody. Like the power that white supremacy still holds in the U.S. um, is dangerous for for all of us. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, those those police officers didn't didn't look at those people and see them as an other, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a boundary there, too. You know, like they they've never been in charge of keeping people like that out before. Yeah. And they didn't know, they literally didn't know how to do it and they just let them in. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it was also interesting to see like how quickly like the rhetoric changed. There was attacks on police officers um, when they were in there, you know, like that rhetoric around blue lives matter, you know, kind of disappeared so quickly and like maybe the police officers thought that they weren't as threatening because of you know what they looked like but the people in that crowd definitely were seeing them as as in their way as a threat and it didn't it didn't matter to them who that was <sighs> Ugh. we're always just here with the difficult topics huh We're always here with the difficult topics because we are talking about the news every month. And like the reality is that the news is hard and the world is hard right now, especially, Um, you know, and if we weren't talking about the difficult things that were happening, (laughs) it would be fluff. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah. And I think it's good to talk about that. I mean, I feel like this is on one hand kind of getting talked into the ground. Like, yeah when I was coming to this, knowing that this is what we would likely both bring to this conversation, I kind of thought like, what else, what else can I say? You know, like everyone has kind of said what there is to say about this, but I guess also it was hard to watch, you know, certain voices try to, to move this away so quickly, you know? And that was like another moment of shock for me, even though I've watched them do that you know, for several years now to just watch them be like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Like it was a big deal. <laughs> and they thought the people who were there thought it was so little, like they really thought it was such not a big deal. Like said, like that they posted it all over social media. Yeah. Like, they really didn't understand what it was they were doing. No, I, I mean, I saw an article yesterday um, of one of the the men who was there was arrested and you know of course the clickbait title of that article was that he's refusing to eat because he can't eat an all-organic diet or whatever a judge has just ruled to give him an all-organic diet uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um but like the end of that article that felt kind of like tacked on but for me was the most kind of poignant was was that his quote was that he didn't feel like he did anything wrong, you know? Like, he's sitting there considering, like, you know, the do- I just walked through an open door, was his quote, you know? Well, he did, though, and that's actually a really interesting quote. Like, yeah, what they did was wrong, for sure, but they he did walk through an open door. Yeah. And that's the problem, and, like, what we're talking about today is that that door was opened for them. And as 
awful as this entire thing is and as awful as the people who went there to incite violence and to cause harm are, the fact that there was an open door that the police let them through is kind of, I think, one of the worst parts for me. I don't really know how to wrap up this conversation, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, but I think that that, I think, I don't know, is there any, are there any last things that you want to say about it before we, before we stop for the day? No, I think, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I know that I'll be continuing to watch this, especially in the next few days um, as we move towards, you know, Biden's inauguration. And I know you will too. Um, uh, What I'm, I mean, what else is there to say? Everything and nothing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. This episode was produced by me, Megan McGill. Music by Justin Kober. Cover art by Sophia Median Morris. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And come talk culture with us on Twitter at TalkCulturePod or Instagram at TalkCulturePodcast. And check out our website, TalkingCulture.ca, for more from the McGill Anthro community.